All right, you ready for this? I, I broke my foot a couple years ago. And uh, when I did, it wasn't the first time. The first time I broke my foot, <laughs> I was playing tag with the kids and running, uh, and I was running across the deck and I broke my foot. And when it, when it broke in half, I just, <laughs> just went flying. And then they grew up with me, so they laughed. You guys ever have family members who do that with you? You fall and they laugh. Okay. But when this happened a couple years ago, it was different. It was different because, um, maybe not all of you know, but I have a prosthetic foot. So when that foot broke and I called the prosthetist, he said, yeah, problem is it's not under warranty. Um, It'll be about 10 grand. I'm like, uh, no, I can walk on my heel for the rest of my life. Uh, and it, it, so then he said, well, we can knock it down some, you know, a couple thousand. I'm like, no, uh, most of the cars I've ever bought weren't that much. Like, I'm not doing that. And um, it was frustrating. And um, got to be honest with you, I, I didn't expect this. And uh, there were people in the church who tried to help. Frank, Frank Holzer was awesome, tried to help, tried to fix it, weld it, and it, it didn't work. And um, you're laughing at my pain. I appreciate that. <laughs> but let me be honest with you. I didn't, I didn't tell a lot of people what I was feeling at the time. Because uh, we try to hide those things, Right? Right? Oh, man, I didn't expect to feel like this in this moment. Um, I felt vulnerable. I felt weak. I felt helpless. I felt angry. I felt... Um, now, I wasn't in any pain, don't get me wrong. And I can adapt. I mean, I can walk uh, on a heel. I can do it. Um, it took me a minute, and certain shoes help make it easier, but... I felt a loss of independence, I felt uh, like everything had changed and I was insecure and unstable and I couldn't do anything about it. Anybody else felt like that ever? Maybe an unexpected job loss or loss of a vehicle. That can change your life. Tax bill. Someone abandoned you. Maybe a health issue that you didn't see coming and all of a sudden you can't do anything. Maybe a marriage falling apart or death of a relative. And maybe you think it's not going to be that way, but it hits you. I was shook. I got to be honest with you. I didn't expect it to be that way. And I was feeling a little panicked inside. Like, what am I going to do? I can't fix this. And what it did, I realized what was happening. It took me back to when it originally happened. And I'm just going to be very transparent. I don't like needing help. And you can say maybe it's pride. I don't know. I I don't like that. I like helping people. I enjoy that. And again, it's not a pride thing. I don't think it is. If it is, I'm sorry, but I don't think so. It's just I don't like to be the one that's that's needing it. Now, I I don't mind. I mean, obviously, I can take help. It's not total, I guess. But I think part of it, too, is I reminded that um, I'm not uh, normal. And I have limitations that other people don't have. I, I know that sounds weird maybe to say it out loud to you guys, but I, sometimes you just want to be normal. That's kind of a low baseline though, isn't it? You wouldn't believe how many people tell me 
that I inspire them and I realize what they mean that's nice, but basically what they're saying is I inspire them because I almost seem normal. Have anybody ever had anybody tell you, hey, you walk pretty good? I get that. And I appreciate it, actually, because I know what they mean. Um, It wasn't something I could fix by just trying harder or working harder. It was broken. And um, if you don't know, I mean, I'm not trying to make it about this today, but I was in a motorcycle accident about 23 years ago next week, and it tore my foot off. So this is... um, This is what I wear because I don't have a foot or an ankle. What had happened was, what what had happened, Nick's going to make fun of me. What had happened was, uh, I was a youth pastor in L.A. There were two kids in my middle school group. Their dad had been murdered. It was a tragedy, absolute tragedy. He was defending, he was at a restaurant. A lady was getting slapped around. He went to intervene. The guy invited him outside and killed him on the street right there. Horrible. So it was almost Christmas, December 17th, 1999. I went over their house and was ministering to the family. You know, Ray's ashes are up on the shelf. And uh, I rode a Harley a lot, had a Harley, rode for many years. And he had been building a bike I didn't even know. He was a much smaller person than me. It was a small Sportster. He had lowered it. If you know anything about bikes, you just know that that makes it even less maneuverable and unstable and whatnot. But regardless, she just asked... You know, the wife asked, hey, could you ride the bike one time around the block and raise memory? What am I going to say? Heck yeah. I was excited to do that. I was wearing uh, my normal outfit, shorts and a polo probably, I don't even know. And uh, he's a smaller guy, and I know I have a big melon, but um, his little helmet, little peanut helmet sat like this on my head, and no gloves. I mean, it was just, I was riding around the block. So as I went around the block, what ended up happening is, I came into, I was coming into an intersection. I was like right here. There was a station wagon here. As we were coming in about 35 miles an hour speed limit, um, a lady tried to beat him through the light. So she sped up. The police report said she was doing 45.50 probably. When she hit him, they slid into me. There was nothing I could do. I mean, if I was on my bike, you know, I had a big FLHS, which is an early road king. You know, double disc brakes. It would have been a totally different situation. But as I hit them, or they hit me, they slid into me. It hit me right here, trapped my leg between the bike and the cars. Uh, I flew over, and I do remember. Anybody been in an accident and time slows down? Isn't it trippy? So you're, you're flying and thinking, ooh, no gloves, got to roll. Don't want my hands all chewed up. You know, got to roll, got to roll. So I remember rolling and stopping, and I remember stopping. It was weird because... As I stopped, I remember I kind of rolled to a stop like this, and I was trying to sit up, but I couldn't quite sit up. And then I looked down, and I saw that my foot was hanging there by uh, some tendons and stuff. And, uh, and I couldn't quite get down to tourniquet my ankle. And I remember sitting there, and uh, even today, I just remember a piece that God was going to take care of this. I knew it. No question. So I'm looking there, and I'm trying to... <laughs> trying to tourniquet, you know, because it's, it's bleeding really bad. And I look up, and uh, everybody that had stopped at the intersection, they're coming out of their cars, but they're freaked out. You know, I've had people say, oh, you were just in shock. Well, I know, yeah, okay, but not their shock, because they were in shock. No one was moving. And this is a true story. I literally said it. Uh, I, I'm like, anybody call the police? And everybody's just staring. I'm like, so this, this is true. 
I, uh, this guy was pulling out, and I could see him. It's like he was in his SUV, and I'm looking at him like, hey, can I get your phone? So I called the police. I called the church to let them know because Nicole, had, we had, Grace was only six weeks old at the time. The last thing I wanted, it had been rough. She was colicky. It was a rough, rough time. Um, I didn't want a cop going to the door or whatever. So let me fast forward to this. Um, I remember the day I was in the hospital room, and, and somebody, a friend of mine called me, and he said, Dennis, why do you think this happened? You know, and at the time, I, you know, I was on morphine and all sorts of stuff. So I'm like, um, what do you mean by that? And he goes, well, do you think that there was something maybe going on in your life that made this happen? And I said, brother, um, look, I, I get where you're coming from, but no. I, I know what happened. I mean, she got a ticket for failure to yield. <laughs> I know what happened. And, and here's the thing. I get that, though. I get it. And as we go through problems in life, there's times where we look around and we think, God, why is this happening? And it's, it's not a bad question to ask. It's a good question. And I think as Christians, we need to be honest about the fact that that question is huge and it looms for all of us in different ways and different situations. And I don't in any way want to minimize what you're, I almost said walking through, walking through. I remember one time, like the first time I went to the gym again, I was on crutches and I didn't have a leg and it was such a big build up to even go there for me, you know, because it was just, you're not you anymore. So I remember crutching up there and I get to the counter and, you know, one of the ladies at the counter, she's like, oh, hey, what, hey, what happened? Did you sprain your ankle? I'm like, no. Uh, you know, and then she looks, ah, you know, I'm like, oh, gosh. Sprained ankles hurt. I get it. Don't think that whatever you're walking through is different or worse. Or, I mean, that's not the point. Here's what I want to think about, though. Why do bad things happen like this? We have to answer these questions because they're important. Because a lot of people struggle with this. And, and here's the fact that a lot of skeptics, they say there is no God or the Christian idea of God is not true because bad things happen to good people. Right? I mean, what was I doing? I was doing ministry. I was literally ministering to kids whose lives were destroyed over a loss of their dad. That was not fair. It was wrong. It was murder. It was horrible. It's one of the top reasons people reject God. And here's how it goes. Because they say if, the, if God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-loving, why would anything bad happen to anybody that's good? Because he would know. And he, if he was powerful enough to intervene, why didn't he? Or why didn't he just change things a little bit or, or even lessen the evil that's in the world? We always want to find a reason for bad things that happen. I get it. I do. I mean, really, if we were going to be... Couldn't it have been because I said yes to ride the bike? Couldn't it have been because I said I'm going to turn left instead of right or I was going a certain speed instead of less? Because seconds mattered in that situation. Had I been there seconds after, that wouldn't have happened to me. How many times have you been on a way somewhere and then you get delayed or something and then there's ambulances and you think, oh goodness, was that going to be me? We always find, and in our world today with all this contact tracing, don't we just want to figure out who's, who did it? Who got who sick? <laughs> I want a clear reason for everything that happens in life. And I think what happens is we cry out and we say, how could this happen? And why me? Why me? You ever think about what's behind that question, though? Don't, don't get me wrong. I've asked the question. But what's the question mean? I mean, what are we saying? I'm a good person. So because of that... I deserve a perfect, charmed life where nothing ever bad happens and everything's smooth and awesome. 
right? Or because she's the nicest person that ever lived, she should have lived forever and never passed? Or what? I mean, what are we saying? It's not fair. My cousin used to say, yeah, the fair happens once a year. It's in Sedalia. (laughs) But because it's not fair, I deserved a perfect life that everything's charmed and everything works out for me perfect all the time. I'm better than him, so I deserve this or I deserve that. I get the question, though. Please don't get me wrong. Because these are real feelings, and they matter. They matter. Your feelings in this matter. And whoever you know who's rejected God because of these issues, their feelings matter, too. Please, 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 do not negate that or act like they don't matter. They matter. You've got to acknowledge what people are walking through and the feelings that they have. They're real feelings. Real Now, usually those feelings and those conclusions that people arrive at, they're arrived at emotionally because of pain. Because of a painful situation or a frustrating situation or something that wasn't right or something done to them. And we arrive at these emotional conclusions a lot of times in the fog of that pain and wondering, God, what is going on? It's in the time of loss or a time of physical pain. I know what it's like to have chronic pain. And people who struggle with that, it's hard. It's hard. Maybe your hope has been crushed by a breakup that you did not want. Maybe as you guys remember what it was like when we were younger and unrequited love or the person you like and you remember a mom saying, well, there's all these other girls. Well, I don't like them. Maybe it was a physical assault. There's no way to justify that. Don't minimize people's feelings you got to understand this. Emotional conclusions like that, they can't be washed away with just a logical argument. And I know a lot of times we're uncomfortable with someone's pain and frustration, so we'll say things well-meaning. I mean, some of the worst things I've heard, you know, when somebody loses somebody, like, well, God needed another angel. Or there's... We say these things that we, we want to help people through the pain, but you got to acknowledge the pain. It's real. Here's what I would say. We live in a world that is not how God originally created it. He created it good. But you don't have to live life very long to look around the world and say, it's not how he intended. This pain that we live in and the things we see that happen and we see the the moral decay, we see the physical decay, our own bodies are in decay. We know that's not what God intended originally. He had a different plan for that. And those of you who are at a certain age, you know how it is. You're careful when you sneeze, right? Because you sneeze at the wrong angle, right? Right? That's not God. That's not the way he intended life. He didn't intend for it to be this way. What has happened is, as you look at the world, it, he created it good. He created it for us to have relationship with him and to enjoy this creation in a way that was not the way it is today. But for us to have a real relationship with him, he also had to give us a free will that we could freely choose him. Now, I've talked to people and they're like, well, maybe he could have made it a little less free. Maybe, but would you know? The fact is, when he gives you the freedom to choose, you also have the freedom not to choose. And when we choose not to do good, those choices all have consequences. It's as if we live in this huge pond. You've probably seen this happen where it's completely calm and looks like glass. And then one leaf is blown and drops. And as it drops, it just ripples out. Then another and another and another. And all those ripples intersect. And you want to ask, why did that one thing happen? I don't know. 
Look at my accident. I mean, I could have turned different. I could have left earlier, later. The lady could have left earlier, later. The guy in front of me could have left earlier, later. We could have all been going a different speed. I mean, we can go back a long way. I mean, who programmed that light to turn the way it did? I mean, goodness gracious. We want to know what it is. But the fact is, every one of our choices have consequences, and they're not just for us. God built a very complex world where our choices also affect other people's choices. And the fact is, they all interrelate and they do things. I hear people say everything happens for a reason. And usually what they mean is either God is pulling the levers or the universe or something. What they forget is usually the reason is us and humans and choices. And it's just easier to blame God as if he's making all these things happen. But when reality, he gave us the freedom and we are the ones making choices. Yes, things happen for a reason. It's because of consequences of people's actions, usually bad decisions. And sometimes it's you. You ever want to raise your hand and say, yes, the bad things happen to me or me. I try to avoid that. Try to blame other people or find a way around it or or make a reason why it wasn't all my fault. Proverbs 19.3. I still remember the first time I read this verse and laughed out loud. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness. Then they're angry at the Lord. Oh, my goodness. So many people, though, they reject God over this because something bad happened in their life and they don't want that. And maybe it was something that didn't work out the way they wanted. Maybe it was a relationship or a job or maybe their looks. How many people look in the mirror and say, why, God? If I looked a little different, I would be more popular. I'd I'd have more success. Why, God? Or something doesn't happen that they prayed would happen. C.S. Lewis rejected God because his mother wasn't healed of cancer when he was a boy. People do this. You may have done this. Maybe a lesser degree. We'll talk about it more. But what they do is they decide God isn't real. Or he's not good. Or he's not loving. Or somehow he's not all-knowing. Or maybe he's not powerful enough to fix things. What they don't realize is that he is powerful enough But he created a world with freedom of choice so that we could have real love. He doesn't cause these things, but he does allow them. He's not the source of evil in your life. Unfortunately, that's choices either you or other people have made. I realize realize these answers aren't super satisfying if you're in the middle of crisis. I get it. If somebody you know is, is passing away or in torment, I get it. That's why it's so important to really deal with these issues before you're in a crisis. Really, that's, that's ho- the whole point of growing up and, and even parenting is that you help walk people through these things. Psychologists have a term for this. They call it emotional resiliency. If the first crisis you ever have is as an adult and it shakes you to the core, it makes, it, you know, the fact is that there's other things that probably have happened in your life that you needed to deal with this and realize the world is dangerous and it's horrible. Do you remember when your first pet died? How did you deal with that? How did your parents walk you through that? Or maybe a relative or a grandmother. Maybe the first time you wrecked your bike or got sick or, or had an experience with the, that breakup, that puppy love, that unrequited love. As parents, we're supposed to help and not blame God, but help people see that, look, there's a life here and this is how God will bring you through it and how he will work in this situation to bring good out of it if you will let him. 
I've heard good questions about this. Like, couldn't God have just eliminated all evil? He could. But he'd also have to eliminate all free will. And us. As good as you are, you'd be included in that. How about, I mentioned this a minute ago, but couldn't God have made a world that's a little less evil? Philosophers have toyed with this a lot. They said, well, what if instead of murder, the very worst thing that could ever happen was someone flicking someone's ear? Truth is, we'd all look at that as the worst thing in the world. It's just a matter of degree. C.S. Lewis posited that the amount of evil we're capable of, we're also capable of that amount of good. And we don't want to reduce either of those. Some people wonder, though, why would God allow it at all? It's a good question. And the answer that comes back is, he knew that this is the only way. It's possible that he couldn't create a world with free will and choice that doesn't also have the consequences. Just makes sense that way. Otherwise, we'd just be robots, puppets, walking through a world where we wouldn't know that there were choices. Is it possible that God has reasons that he might allow these things to happen? Allow, not cause. Or that he might be able to bring good out of certain things? Let's think about this for a minute. Romans 8.28 says, We know that God causes all things to work together for, for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. The way I look at this is God is the master, master chess player. We make this move, he has another move. He does things that, it's like he's, he's more than the God of plan B. He's a God of C and D and E and F and G all the way to Z and then starting over with double A and double B because we keep making choices and God keeps working these things together in ways that you could never imagine. And he creates this incredibly beautiful tapestry that becomes our lives. A lot of times what we're doing is we're looking at one thread and we're like, God, this is a painful thread. I hate this part. And then if you step back and see the whole thing, it's like one of those mosaics where up close you can't see it. And then from a distance, you're like, God, that is a beautiful thing, what you did. How would you even know what evil was if there wasn't an absolute standard for good? What is it inside of our hearts that cry out and say abuse is wrong and children shouldn't pass away before parents? And I could go on and on. Why is that? It's because we know what's good. We know what's right. But you wouldn't unless you had the other You wouldn't really know what light and dark and heat and warm. You wouldn't know those things. You wouldn't know a good meal unless you haven't had one. You wouldn't know. The contrast creates the beauty. We appreciate the morning after a long, dark night. We appreciate feeling good after we've been ill. We know the difference. It's perspective and contrast that adds meaning to all those things. And really, we live in a world, as Americans, it's so... Our level of evil and discomfort is so little compared to the world around us. If you've traveled internationally or, you know, maybe you have been to, you know, different parts of our country or cities that are difficult, you you know that a lot of times what we struggle with isn't that bad. Couldn't God limit the evil in the world and the enemy, what he does? I promise you he does. He limits it. God doesn't cause it. But what he does is he refines you and he makes you better through it. What he does is the the hardships that we live in, what he does is he takes those and he works in us things, character things that he could never produce otherwise. I know you know this because you've seen maybe a spoiled child who doesn't appreciate anything in their life 
And then you've seen people who work for things and the way that they approach life and the gratitude that is there. You know what that's like. It really is a battle, though, for God's reputation and his character. Is he good? Have you maybe judged him and found him wanting because something in your life didn't work out the way you wanted? Maybe you've decided he wasn't good because of something that happened to you that was bad and you say he shouldn't have done that to me. I really do believe it all goes back to the garden. When, they, when Eve got, when the enemy was talking to Eve and said, don't, will God, is God good? Can you trust him? Is he good? And I think that same playbook that the enemy has played in the garden, he continues to play with us today. And every time something bad happens, he dangles a fruit in front of us and says, is God good? Here's the truth. The enemy's real. And the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He comes to destroy you. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. It's all your focus. Think about this. The enemy uses some tactics and he uses them over and over and over. I read this in the last couple of weeks. It blew me away. He discourages us and he lies about God's character. You see that? He discourages us and lies about God's character. You know what else he does? He distracts us and has us focus on our problems rather than God's ability to solve them. He distances us from God so that we run away from the only one who can save us. He does it all the time. God uses our troubles, though, to build in us things that only hardship can accomplish. Would you even know what courage was if there wasn't an opportunity to show it and develop it and work through it? Would we even know what that meant to have valor or character? Think about even everybody, every one of you who is an athlete or have trained as an athlete, you realize that all those practices and hardships and lifting and running, why do you do that to compete like a track athlete? Those are the ones that amaze me the most. You get on there for a, for a 100 meter dash and what is it, 15 seconds? Why? Because you're not going to be able to run that speed unless you do all that training. It develops you. Think about our military and the more elite, the more they train. And the more they train, why do they do that? Because they have to be a top physical appearance or a performance. And you can't get that by living a soft life like the rest of us do. Think about dancers. The practice over and over and over to get it perfect. You don't achieve that without the work. But we don't want to work. James says this, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. How many of us have sat back and said, God, what are you going to do here? How's this going to be a win-win? What? I, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So really, the ultimate question is, will you let God work in these situations that we walk through? Will you let him? And will you be patient? Because he doesn't work on our timeline. Have you noticed that? I'm usually good to work for like a day or two. <laughs> okay, God. I need you to show up now. I want it now. I want it on my time schedule. I also want it the way I want it. Let's be honest. I want what I want, when I want, and how I want to. I, I want. And he doesn't always work that way. So how would, God let, how would you let God build? 
Let's say you have been fired or abandoned or cheated on or abused or, or mistreated or overlooked or hurt or unappreciated. God can take any of those wrongs and he can do amazing things with it. It's what he does. He's for you. He has a plan for you. He's for you. He wants good things. He can turn your sorrow into joy. It's what he does. He can turn, I know it's cliche-ish, test into a testimony. I heard a, I heard a preacher once say, oh, y'all want your testimony, but you don't want the test. Don't ever pray for patience. You've heard that, right? He can turn your pain into purpose. Hmm. How does he do that? How does he do that? You know what he does? What he does is he takes your experiences and then he uses you to help other people. You literally become a wounded healer where you get to participate in the healing of others. Sometimes you don't even know what's happening. Now again, I'm, I, I mean, it's not... It is, I'm making it about me today. I don't mean to, but... I laughed out loud one time. One of the guys here at church sent me a, a text and he goes, Hey, my friend just put a picture of you on Facebook. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, you're at the gym, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, this guy posted on Facebook. Basically, he said, look, if this guy can do it, you need to get your butt down in here and do it too. And I, I'm like, thanks, thanks, buddy. Do you know what it means to walk the mile in someone else's shoes? There's, there's a level of help and healing you can provide to somebody that you can't just do from the outside. I mean, if you haven't, and please hear me, if, if you've never had crises in your life, you're, buckle up, because they're coming, but, but you're not as equipped to help people who have. It's just true. It's just true. The di- it's the difference between walking by someone in a hole and saying, oh, that's horrible, I'm sorry you're down there, trying to help them out, or if you've been in there and you know how to get out, there's a difference. The difference. I think of Paul and his uh, thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that was. He doesn't tell us. He asked God to take it away, whatever it was. Some people think it was a physical ailment. A lot of people have speculated on this for 2,000 years. We don't know. Everything from some kind of eye condition, they say, where his eyelashes might have poked in on his eye. I, I, we don't know. Um, Pastor Newby, and, and he's not the only one, a lot of theologians think the actual thorn was the Jewish Judaizers who followed him around and persecuted him nonstop. So it could have been people in his life. But here's what he says. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't know if we think about it that way, right? I want to be completely free of any problems and then look back and say, yeah, those used to... I don't want to be in problems. But Paul is basically saying, actually, God works in that. Going back to my foot, I felt so challenged because I felt like God, what are you I felt like God challenging me like do you need to learn these lessons again? Here's just some quick lessons. I'm not that foot. I'm not that. Now I know a lot of people who use whatever disability or whatever they work with to to help a lot of people and they make it the who they are. 
but we're, even them, we're not that. Whatever thing you've been through is not you. God has a purpose, and he can use it for his glory, but that's not you. I was judging myself by physical abilities, not by how God sees me. And I remember the first time I did this, I was, uh, it's the first time I ever stood up. I'd been in the hospital almost two months. I was still um, a pint low on blood. They'd given me, so, I had two complete transfusions. They'd given me so much blood, they're like, okay, you, no more. So uh, a guy came in, I told the men's group this, I think, recently, but um, the therapist came in and he said, um, uh, he goes, uh, you're going to have a bad day today. I'm like, what? I thought I was going to get to stand up today. He goes, yeah, but it's not going to be what you think it is. He goes, I'm going to have you sit up right now. And he goes, you're going to have a hard time. And I was so dizzy because I, I hadn't sat up in almost two months. And so um, then he said, um, the therapist is going to come in. You're going to stand. He goes, but I promise you, three seconds is about all you're going to stand. Because I just don't want you to be totally crushed. And he goes, I know what you're thinking right now. <laughs> And I was. He goes, well, maybe everybody else, but me. He goes, it's not going to happen. Don't, don't do it. And I'm like, I still thought it. But here's what happened. I'm sitting on the edge of the bed. The lady who walked in, um, she had been a polio victim. We don't see that a lot today. But she was a therapist. She had the white coat on, and she had the crutches you know, that go up your arm. And she kind of walked like this as she came in. And right away, I looked at her, and I thought, in my mind, why would they send someone handicapped in here? I'm going to fall on her and breaker and a half and I felt like God say you're handicapped and I looked down and like oh God I am and you just judged her like everybody's going to judge you from now on I thought about that like God what was I doing I judged myself that way (laughs) you know what's funny is those things don't have to change who you are Whatever that is. I don't care what it is. It can be divorce. It can be uh, loss of a job. It can be a, a huge sin that, that you're paying for. I mean, it can be anything like that. Have you ever thought about the fact that God, who he makes you to be and what he does in you, is not tied to all those things, but he can take those things and make you an incredible minister for him? Have you ever wondered about that? Like, what could God do through whatever I've been through for me to be way more effective witness for Christ, minister to my friends, friend to somebody, counselor to somebody? Does God only use perfect people? Oh, I hope not, because there's only a few of you in the room right now. You know what? I, let, me, let me just make a couple other points before I close today. We're all reductionists, ultimately. That's human nature. We just try to simplify things down to the simplest thing. Why did this happen? Why did what you're going through happen? Let me just be honest, way more complex than that. The fact is, too, we look at people and we, we see one thing and then we judge them based on that thing. If you see me with shorts, you think this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Because you see the leg and you're, everybody wonders what's going on. And, and I, I don't mind questions and people ask me and strangers all the time and it, it's fine. The thing is, they have no idea that this is not the worst thing that happened. It's not even the worst thing in my accident. My hip was way worse. I didn't mention that. But when the car hit me and I flew over, my my legs stayed there. So I was jerked out of my hip. My hip was dislocated and shattered. I have a scar that goes from the middle of my thigh all the way up around my back from when they reconstructed my hip. Can I be honest? The recovery from that was way worse. Way more painful. Can't even tell you. 
But here's what's funny is nobody knows that. And somebody mentioned to me once, good thing, because <laughs> um, you can't see that. You have no idea. Isn't that true, though, for all of us? We see people, we have no idea what really is going on. And we may see something in their life and think, oh, that's horrible, but it's not the worst thing, and we don't even know what the worst thing is. We kind of hide that stuff, and we, I don't intentionally hide this. It's just, honestly, I don't think about it. I mean, the hip is good. Until I bump something and hit one of those, I've got five screws in my pelvis with a plate about the size of my hand in my pelvis. Until I hit one of those, then I remember. Isn't it funny, though? We just minimize people down to whatever we think is the worst thing. And life is way more complex than that. I don't know. If I'm really honest, I've had a lot of surgeries because of this and other things I've done. It's just me. A lot of stitches. But those are nothing compared to the emotional scars. Right? These are not the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I've had way worse things happen. At the hands of people I love. Way worse. Way worse. But even those scars, God will work through and heal and use you if you're willing to let him do it. It's what he does. It's what he does. Now, you could be here today and uh, you may still doubt. You may still doubt that God is good because of what you're experiencing or You may just wonder, is he just not able to heal? And if if we're really transparent, you still might be mad at him just a little bit. Because he didn't do what you wanted. Maybe it was healing. Maybe it was financial. Maybe it was a position at work or something happened in school or a relationship. Let me ask you a deep question here. I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes, everybody in the room. I'm going to ask you this question. Could you at least let him walk you through that? I realize that as we walk out of this place today, that some of you are going to walk out and you're still not sure you want to accept that God can work in your problems or that he's not somehow responsible. Don't let the enemy lie to you anymore. Don't let him distract you from what God wants to do through this issue. Don't let him... him, lie to you and help you or make you think that your problem is, is so big. Instead, let, I want you to focus on him. And if I could do this with you, if I could just invite you to at least walk him through your pain, whatever that is. Psalm 23 is probably the most recognized psalm in the entire Bible. Just listen to this. Though. Don't, don't quote with me. Just listen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want I don't, I'm not going to want for anything. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Some of us need our souls restored. He guides me in paths for righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Or the darkest valley walk through the valley I will fear no evil what he's offering to you is whatever you're walking through that he will comfort you and be with you and you don't have to fear evil for you he is with you and then it says here his rod and staff they comfort you he is there to comfort 
I have two challenges for you today. One is, some of us need comfort. Maybe you've been walking through something and, and it just is overwhelming or you just feel like it's unfair or maybe somehow you push God away a little bit. That's what the enemy wants you to do. Don't do it. Instead of pushing him away, what I'm encouraging you to do this morning is to embrace him and to let him heal you at the point of whatever that pain is. It may have been something that happened years ago And you realize even sitting here this morning that you are still carrying that thing. You can let that go today. You can give it to him and let him start to heal you deep within your heart. Maybe somebody's sitting here today and you're you're a skeptic still. And I, I respect that. But you'd be willing to say, I need him. And if he really would walk me through these things, then I invite him to do that with me today. Let me, let's do this. With everybody's eyes closed, heads bowed, I just want to ask this simple question. Who here needs to embrace him today? Let's just, let me just make this a point. If you've never followed Jesus, but you realize today that you want to embrace him, could you just raise your hand real quick and we will pray with you? A couple people raised their hands last week. We prayed for them. I'm so excited about that. Let me ask this next question then. If you're here today and maybe you've been walking through something and you've just been struggling, I'm not, you don't have to raise your hand and say, I've been pushing God away, but let me just ask this question this way. If you're here today, whatever it is you've been carrying, long time, short time, current crisis, past wound, but you are here today and you realize that you need to let Jesus embrace you and walk you through this valley, would you just raise your hand with me? Yeah, there's hands up everywhere. I want to pray with you. In fact, let's, let's stand. And if you are here today and um, you're prepared to help us pray, if you're on the, on the prayer team or staff board and spouses, if you would come down. And if you're here today and you would like somebody to pray with you about one of these things or something else, if you're in need of healing, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if there's an issue you just need prayer with, if you just need somebody to stand beside you as we pray, I want you to come now as I pray for the rest of us. Let God touch you today. Let me lead us in prayer. So go ahead and come now if you want prayer with somebody down here at the front. Father, we come before you this morning and I'm grateful that you are a God that loves us in a way that is beyond our comprehension. God, I'm grateful that you are God who knows the beginning from the end. You see the tapestry of our lives for all that it is. God, I'm grateful that you are a God who has created us with gifts and talents and experiences. And then you take those things and you weave them into very beautiful things. God, I'm grateful for that. And I pray right now for those who are hurting and they need you to comfort them in the middle of a valley. Whatever that is, if it's past or present... If it's them personally or someone they dearly care for, God, I ask in the middle of this, this morning, that you would comfort as only you can comfort. God, that you would answer the deep questions and the longings. God, that you would give comfort and you would give, you would give a future to them that show them how you intend to use this for your glory. God, I pray for those who are struggling with the faith and trust for that in the middle of it. And I pray, God, that you would grow our faith in the middle of our pain. God, we trust you for that. And we thank you for how you do beautiful, beautiful things. You are worthy in all those things. 
Amen. Before you leave, I just want to close this with just a couple thoughts. Something about perspective that makes things really different. I know for me, what I deal with is so minimal compared to some. Remember the first time I got to speak at a handicapped camp and I was the least handicapped person in the room. I was so humbled. I see what people work through every day. And as I mentioned earlier, not everything's so different. I want to encourage you, though, to do something with whatever it is God has walked you through. I encourage you to be a wounded healer today for you to reach out. And I should also mention this. I didn't know what I was going to do about that broken foot. And uh, there's no way I wanted to pay for a foot like that. So I went on eBay and I bought a foot on eBay. So I know not everybody can say that. So if that comes up in some you know, game at Christmas, maybe you can say, I know somebody who bought their foot on eBay. And um, thank God for that. It was, it was um, really affordable. So praise God for that. And it fit perfect. It was a miracle. So God does do amazing, crazy things. So God bless you today. Please be agents of healing and love everywhere you go. God bless you.